Hey, this is More Than Velocity. I'm Bart Pear here with uh, Jordan Oseguera and Ryan Croton. And today we've got Brittany Dowling on, who's a biomechanist um, that Ryan knows, um, <clears throat> paths have crossed quite a lot. Um, interesting background, even involved with the modus sleeve. And so we've got a lot of things to talk about. So Ryan, why don't you um, quickly say how you know Brittany and and let's uh, let's get started. Yeah, um, when I was at the Angels, we were we were actually considering bringing in Modus, and we we ended up actually doing it because we needed to have some indication of changes in arm speed, and we wanted to define fatigue uh, a little bit better mechanically. Um, but I really like I gravitate to Brittany because she has strong opinions. Okay, and some people in the in the world of baseball they get really kind of bent out of shape when they meet somebody who who really like stands for something and um and that's because you can tell they they really know something and and, and i realized like when i was talking to her you know a little bit about her bi biomechanical background and, and and talking about um the device at that time um she she really resonated with me as i like you know this this person really understands the the place of where movement has to be. I know we've had discussion on, you know, uh, armed forces don't necessarily translate to injury, which is fantastic because most people, you know, they really worry about these things. But um, you, it, it, I've stayed in contact with her over the year. I've, I've been paying attention to her research that where she, her research group is pumping out research like every other week. I see some um like her that pulls um references that uh, there's her name's in something um so she is, is is highly accomplished and we're we're launching this certified pitching biomechanist course right and i'm teaching it but i i, I really want to have um you know our community our baseball community exposed to to other researchers in the field and the things that they're studying and hopefully, you know, start to begin people to do a little bit more investigation in terms of quantified mechanics. And I've always looked at it and say, you got pitching mechanics, you got pitching biomechanics and pitching mechanics to me is done more qualitatively looking at video and slow motion video, which, which people are, are becoming really strong at visually. But now, you know, adding this layer of, of quantifying how athletes move in 3D space um, and how they relate with the ground, with ground reaction force is really cool. So, you know, uh, you know, Brittany, I, I would love for you to just talk about your experience. I mean, even being unique, um, not being male uh, in, you know, the game of baseball is also has its own really interesting uh, elements. But, you know, kind of how you got on your path to the world of baseball biomechanics would be really cool, I think, for people to get a background on you. Yeah. Um, thank you for that introduction. It's pretty, pretty nice. Um, I started, I got my, my master's at Texas tech in biomechanics, and then I got hired by Modus. Um, I was the second employee by Modus. Um, they had motion capture and this was before any of the teams, except for the brewers had their own motion capture facility. So each team would hire us to bring the, the our system to them test players and give them reports. Then the MLB, especially when we had that huge uptick in um, TJ, the MLB was like created a UCL committee and like, how do we collect as much data as we can to kind of figure out what's going on? So then they were hiring us to go to teams. So I would fly my, I was in charge of the Arizona, I would fly my motion capture eight cameras to Arizona and just hop from team to team, collecting data, providing it. Um, 
When I first started though, I didn't know baseball. Um, shout out to Ben Hansen for teaching me a lot, giving me that foundation, understanding what we're looking at, why we're looking at that, and then just starting to pull research and pair, pair everything. It's not just throwing, it's like pulling um, javelin, um, um, cricket. There's so much mm -hmm. research that's done outside of that that's still, that they've even done better than us in the baseball mm -hmm. community. And so it's, it's like, okay, let's look at what these other teams or these other sports are doing and see if we can start to implement it within our community. Um, so that's kind of where I got started and it's just run for 10 years. Um, I'm now at, I'm now at uh, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush in Chicago. They built a lab in the Bo Jackson facility. So we have a huge throwing lab. We have the Qualysis cameras. We have markerless and marker where anytime anybody wants to throw a bullpen, we hop, throw them in. Um, we're watching as they come back from on rehab, as they're starting their ITP, just so many different ways to look at this, that it doesn't have to be this one narrow focus of only on the mound on the boat. Like they're throwing hundred percent, like what's happening to get to hundred percent. What's happening if they have pain, but their MRI is clean. There's so many added elements to this that we always get so focused on one thing. So it's mm -hmm. been cool to, to kind of work with the PTs, the clinicians, the athletic trainers, the strength and conditioning coaches, building a whole system that way to to work with an athlete instead of it just being I'm a biomechanist you're doing this wrong have fun yeah this this is amazing what you said um the pain part you know when athletes are performing well and this is what we have in our course and they don't have pain this is where you're in a process of monitoring maintaining that they're at this optimal state when things shift like what you're saying they've had pain or poor performance, you got to investigate. But what was very interesting, what you said, I'm going to define a few things. ITP means interval throwing program for, for the people that, you know, don't know. Um, but what, what I really like that isn't done very much um, in either the private world or even in professional baseball is when an athlete has had an injury, the integration of biomechanics and coming back is very important. And, and this is kind of the thing, if we can give our community a good understanding of what the mechanics look like previous injury. Okay. And what happens after injury, what I find is interesting is that a lot of athletes, they continue to throw as if they're injured, um, even when they're pain-free. Right. So I, I do, I really like, you know, how you've introduced this and in, in also having this collaborative lens. And it's another reason why we created a coursework. You'll get all this stuff because it's in your world but you're already doing a lot of the collaboration and sharing information, um, you know, with, with your peers in other areas, you know, which I, I just, I think that's amazing. I'm wondering if you can talk about, cause we had a, a previous podcast talking about communication and, and what you're finding, um, what people understand and what they really don't understand in biomechanics in your experience in your experience or how they use the data would be really cool to dive into um i guess too it depends on the audience if i'm talking to a clinician um all my orthos are extremely busy they need to know the quick bullet points mm -hmm. you got to figure that out if i'm talking to a parent they want to know everything they want to make mm -hmm. sure that their kid is okay what how do, what happened how do they move forward all of these things and so it is it's learning like i call it shoulder horizontal abduction it's scap load finding mm -hmm. these terms to be able to talk to them uh, max external rotation that's layback 
So mm-hmm. like, like all these things, it's like finding those words and saying, hey, slowing it down, showing them a video. Um, I just spoke at the um, ASMI baseball, injuries in baseball conference. Mm-hmm. And I put, showed a video of there's a, it's on YouTube um, of Justin Verlander throwing from the side and it's really slow motion. It's when he was with Detroit and it's such a good video to show that lead leg block. I show mm-hmm. that video all the time. So when I'm mm-hmm. talking to people, I also want to show visually what I'm talking about because I think athletes are such visual learners too, especially with the pitching motion. It's happening so fast. They have no idea. Like, hey, I, you're, you know, you're flying open. It's like, they don't know. They're just trying to get the ball off. So if I can show them a picture of themselves and then show them the correct way, it clicks a little bit better than just giving them, hey, your number, your 50 degrees of elbow flexion we want you at 90 they have no idea what that means so it's taking Mm -hmm. that time to show them what they're doing themselves and then what it looks like and giving them a couple examples and some drills to kind of make them feel and I think like you said it's it's a feel thing they've been throwing like this for so long then when they're hurt their body says ouch and they don't know that it hurt doesn't hurt anymore so now Mm -hmm. they're just protecting and you can kind of tell some Mm -hmm. things I used it used to be a like a key indicator they had elbow issues when they're tucking the ball um, now I don't know if it's plyos or if it's, or if it's that they had elbow injury, but there are those key ind- indicators of, okay, do you, are you hesitant to let your armpit lay back? Are you hesitant to kind of get your arm in the right position because you feel pain or cause you used to feel pain and teaching their body, Hey, it's okay to be in this position. Um, I think motion capture is the best thing in the entire world. Cause it tells us how an athlete moves, but is it, it doesn't tell us why they move that way. Mm-hmm. Why are they moving that way? Is it pain? Is it range of motion? Is it strength? Is it just a simple cue? So I think we have to kind of look at that. So when I have an athlete come in, I do range of motion. I do a simple step down. Are you able to control your hip and your knee as you go down? If you can't do it straight up and down, how do I think you're going to hip hinge down the rubber or Mm -hmm. down the mound? So it's pairing all these things together to see, like to give a better picture of what's going on. And I think we also get confused with that too. We just look at, hey, this is what they did in their bullpen. We have a lot of work to do. It's like, well, maybe nothing needs to be done on the mound. It's in the strength room. Or it's actually, let's get that front hip internal rotation going and then everything's fixed on its own. So there's so many pieces that need to be put together. And I think we get, with biomechanics, we get so focused on just that one on the mound issue. Mm -hmm. I'm going to turn over to Jordan because like what you're saying, the, the way I saw myself when I was in pro baseball, I saw myself as kind of like the conductor of things but like Jordan was the musician like he would get the actual report which is the sheet of music mm-hmm. and turn it into things but like you know Jordan for me he he monitored not just biomechanics like every single game that a guy threw he would be able to you know indicate to us in a group group uh, communication when um something changed you know, and athlete didn't have pain or poor performance, but we knew we needed to do some things in the weight room, whether there was a frontal plane shift, you know, very 2D element, but he was awesome at it because he digitized it. There's only one digitizing guy. But what Jordan separated himself apart, like what you're saying, the 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 causation, he was also monitoring our strength. So I kind of want to, I'm going to shift it to you, Jordan, just, just kind of talking about you know, how, how you've used biomechanical data, because, you know, Brittany's super, super power brain, good communicator, but then like Brittany, I don't, I'm not ex- thinking you're a pitching coach, right? You're not like, right. 
but this is Jordan's world. So I, Jordan, you got to dive on that because you've been looking at biomechanical data since you were a kid, pretty much with Tom House. Yeah. Um, so are you, are you asking like what I would look yeah, at? Yeah. Like what, what are exactly? certain, yeah. Like what cer certain things that like, you know, when you saw something coaching wise, right in our course, I talk a lot about strength programming, strength and coordination, but like when you were seeing things drill based stuff, you know, what kind of, what kind of things really resonated you and say like, here's something we got to do here. Got it. So as you know, I made, I look at things a little different sometimes just on occasion. Um, but I look at a lot of what's going on with the lead leg to dictate whether the, the trail legs moving the way that it should. Um, so not everyone, especially the higher levels you go is going to need mechanical adjustments. So if they're moving consistently, even with a bad sequence, I mean, you look at a guy like, Oh, don't name names, but yes, just blurred okay. out. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so if you look at a guy like him with a, with a bad, bad sequence, I'm yeah. not going to change that guy. I'm going to make Brit sure he Brittany moves. calls it discordant by the way. Oh, I know that. No, that word is hard, but yeah. Research. Discordant? Research. Love that word. So yeah, the guy discord. moves discordant. He's discord. got the best change-up slider fastball combination in the game. I'm not touching that guy. I'm going to make sure he stays discordant. So, you know, <laughs> we were talking about, we flashed the word discordant up with the definition bar. For those that don't understand it, because I obviously know I'll it. I'll put it in the notes. Um, yeah, it's not me that needs help with it. But, you know, with that, it's like, I'm going to keep that guy in that movement pattern. And if there is a change, out of that movement pattern, which this individual did have. I know Bart's going to blur that name out at 18 minutes or whatever it is right now. So uh, when he had that movement change in AAA and all of a sudden he's not being as effective anymore, I went to the AAA strength coach and said, these are what I'm seeing change. We need to get something going on here. They do an evaluation. They run through a screen. Turns out that his lower half was showing fatigue. So mm -hmm. we it wasn't because of you know under training. It wasn't because of a poor lifestyle habit. It was because he was – he was overtrained. So they actually pulled back, got him recovered back to normal movement pattern. And the rest is kind of a good story to go with there. Um, whereas if you see a guy, I'll, again, I won't use name, but how can I best describe it? So Ryan, you know who I'm talking about. Um, he had a sinker that shows cut and he is one of mm -hmm. the best right-handers to walk the face of the earth. And when he would have issues throwing strikes, Everyone was like, well, we need to change the way he's striding because it doesn't fit a normal biomechanics model. Mm -hmm. so, but mm -hmm. this guy's been pitching this way since he was 14 years old. He throws 100 miles an hour with an extremely unique fastball. If you change his stride to fit a good biomechanical structure, now instead of having cut and sink, you have a very flat fastball that's going to get pummeled and make nobody any money. And then all of us, everyone's going to get fired at that point. So he's actually pitching in the AL East right now. Um, I'll let you guys do your own research. But <laughs> you let him stride the way that he strides. And if you keep everything else around it structurally sound and stable and everything works good, he puts up extremely good numbers. But mm -hmm. as soon as that player goes, you know what? Yeah, this is a very stressful way to throw from what everything's showing me. If I'm going to go down that rabbit hole of trying to change the guy, now we lose performance, but he doesn't get hurt. So there's a fine line when you're, when you're dealing with guys at the high level of going, well, do you want a guy to be healthy all the time and not get anybody out? Or where do you want to, where do you want to play? Where do you want to bet your money at the end of the day? Cause neither one of them is the right answer. If you go all in on one end of it, and then you start diving in, well, what is that athlete going to be comfortable with? And that's where that communication comes in and then showing them the visuals of them. Cause sadly, most athletes always go, well, how do I compare to Shohei yeah. Otani? It's like, well, you're not Shohei Otani. I'm not going to show you Shohei Otani. <laughs> so diving in and showing them their change off of them, taking that, those biomechanics where you can hand digitize 
and then showing them this is your outing that you threw really, really well. The only difference was this. It's not biomechanics, it's fatigue. Or maybe it is biomechanics, but being able to relay that information, showing them themselves is kind of the best way that I've seen kind of going around, you know, getting someone to understand what's going on. And then also getting them to understand why if you make this quote unquote good biomechanical change, well, this is what happened to your pitch shapes. So that's a huge one because so it's um, I can say names because it's all over like Lucas Giolito. He went Mm -hmm. from the worst pitcher in the league to going up to be runner up for Cy Young. He shortened his arm path. And then it also, and I think we also have to understand that, that changed the path. That changed Mm -hmm. the way that his ball moved. It was actually better. It's faster. It had more break. So we have to do that. He's now, it's been all over Twitter. He's now adjusting again because last year his ERA jumped up a little bit. And I think too, we have to understand that was huge at what you said. It is, if we make these changes, it, it affects the way that that ball moves. It affects their location, their accuracy, all of that that it's not just, oh, they're going to throw better. We have mm-hmm. like we have to be very cognizant of what we're doing. And I think what you said, too, is these higher level, these guys throw like that. Let's make sure that we keep them strong and safe with what they're doing. The younger kids, we might be a little bit more, have a little bit more leeway of adjusting some mechanics to make them in a little bit more position. It just matters who, what level we're at. Um, ben Joyce, are you going to mess with Ben Joyce this year? Are you going to let him throw <laughs> keep him throwing? <laughs> yeah and i'm name dropping but i'm not saying good or bad things but like you know what i'm saying he's gonna come in he's he's throwing gas where are we just gonna let it happen and see where he goes from there or is that something like hey i see some mechanical things he's got a very long arm path do we kind of want to make a little bit of adjustment it's hard it's hard to know and it's like you said you have to find that line of keep him healthy keep him throwing safe and try not to get fired <laughs> That's where we get, that's where you're talking about. So that's why we have the strength and decision, uh, strength and coordination decision tree in our course, because like we talk about uh, correcting strength first before making those changes, especially arm path, those related changes um, and some warranted, but that's something that that we really focus on um, that, you know, some people might look at movement in the box and you've said it constantly which I love you're, you're talking about is it strength you know you're you're thinking about this like what could be the deficiencies what could be leading to injury you know some of the things like I, I read a lot of um, mobility based studies that say oh you know this athlete has more of an uh, you know an arm injury risk because he's lost internal hip rotation right but really what comes down to it it's like they've had a strength loss somehow that connection is they have not been able to withstand the forces placed upon the tissues. I mean, that's why we're in this dynamometry world. Um, but, you know, one of the things I want to hit on with you, I read a lot of your work and, and you are one of like the foremost researchers, you and your team to really study the mechanisms behind velocity in a developing athlete. You see, like we look on social media, I constantly see radar gun, right? Yeah. This athlete jumped up 10 miles per hour, but the processes, the movement processes, you know, people aren't as aware and you've been studying some of this stuff, especially we got a lot of high school uh, listeners to, you know, and I'd love for you to dive into like, you know, the kinematics, like the descriptors of motion that you've seen, you know, what happens with the kinetics. Cause we talk about, you know, what, what's the relationship between velocity and joint load. We talk about those things. 
you know, you've done a lot of work there. So like people need to know what you've seen in movement. I think the biggest one um, would be I, me, the lead leg block. And when you mm -hmm. see a kid just drop on that front knee, you know that he is using more arm to get the ball off. He's not going to throw his heart and be more stress on his elbow. And that's what I have a paper coming out looking at that. Um, the pros, they are, they can get away with a little bit more because I think they're more developed. They have more muscle mass. They have a little bit more coordination to be able to do that. But the kids who just keep sinking in on that front knee and have no lead leg block, they're mm -hmm. just now having to throw all arm. They're pulling over their gloves and just trying to get after it. Um, if we can really get that foundation of holding that hip hinge, getting them into the right spot and be able to use that knee to drive that pelvis, so much things will come more fit, more effortlessly. Mm -hmm. so that now their arm is moving because their trunk told it to, not because they're really just trying to get after it. So their, velo their velocity is going to go up, but their torque's not going to go up. And I think that's a big one. Oh, they yeah. Like, and there are studies that show within a player, the, the faster you throw, the more stress on your arm. That's true if your mechanics stay the same. But if you get have better mechanics and your velocity goes up, you potentially can have decreased kinetics. You can have mm -hmm. decreased stress on that UCL. So I think you kind of get caught up in this, oh, if you throw harder, you're going to get hurt. You're going to have more stress. That's possible. I'm not saying it's not true. But if we get better mm -hmm. and we get stronger and we have the mobility to do it, that doesn't have to. It's not this black. It's not black and white. It could be, okay, you are throwing harder, but it's okay. I think you just came out with a paper and like I had done it in one of my papers looking at the um, how fast you're throwing versus the stress on your arm. And I, I called it pitch efficiency, but I think you changed it to mechanical efficiency. So we call it, yeah, that was a big discussion because we talk yeah. about, in my mind, I've always, and same with Glenn Fleissig, um, who is the godfather of baseball biomechanics. Our, our interpretation of pitch efficiency is pitches per inning. How like how can we lower your overuse per inning was pitch efficiency? We defined it as biomechanical efficiency. It, these things are all in the course, you know, talking about, and you're just resonating with it, is the miles per hour um, to the relevant or to the to the um, relation of torque to the body. Okay, the mm -hmm. relative torque. That's what we looked at for the elbow. So how fast can these athletes throw? um relative to their their internal you know uh torque you know looking at their body height and their their body mass mm -hmm. um but you you know you hit this on the head you see in that biomechanical efficiency we have that as a pathway in this decision tree we go and attack what does the drive leg have to do you talked about hip hinge got to be able to hold hip hinge right okay and now you, and the next one is the lead leg block Going, we talk about so many exercises, you know, based on the biomechanical data of what you might see in a, a knee flexing, mm -hmm. okay, rather than holding position or extending. Um, we we show so many examples of that, and we talk about that. Um, and this is great because, like, you're confirming that my mindset and the things that we're doing are coordinating with you, um, and, and that feels good. I think that's huge because I'm lucky, and I have a lab. I have a very expensive lab to be able to see this in 700 um, frames per second, yeah. just don't have that. So if uh, you can see, you can see visually lead knee flexion. You don't yeah. need the cameras that I have to see that. So if oh, you yeah. can provide these things for coaches who aren't, who don't have the ability to do that, that's huge. That's something yeah. that everybody can see. You can record on your phone, slow-mo, slow it down, see from foot contact to ball release. Are you extending your knee? Great, move on. You're not, yeah. okay, now we have exercises. 
little things like, um, I'm trying to think like pelvis rotation velocity. You can't see a velocity. That's not helpful to a coach. So in my papers, I try to, I, I try to publish stuff that coaches can use that coaches yep. can see some stuff discordant. You can't see that. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, like, so that's, what I, that's what I try. So that's awesome that you're showing, okay, these things, these things visually you can see without these crazy cameras, this is how we can help an athlete. That's way more impactful than giving them these far out ideas that yes, we know that it's related to that, but we, there's nothing we can do. There's mm-hmm. only a guess. So that's huge. Jordan, Jordan taught me so much um, in terms of looking at 2d video, you like, you're talking about, cause we, you know, we don't want coaches thinking like, Oh my God, this is going to be so technical. This is going to, I mean, I'm going to graph overload. Like we go through the mechanics of how to understand these things. Um, but Jordan has taught me a lot with like just pure slow motion video analysis, like what you're talking about. Um, you know, he was showing me, you can actually see some of, you know, the, the, the non, optimal kinematic sequence of how things rotate in the slow motion looking at the frontal plane that you can actually see segments stop it's amazing hey jordan remember you were you were showing me like the pelvis stops the trunk stops and then you could see you know the guy going forward rather than like what you're talking about leaning and trying Mm -hmm. to get more rotation through ball release so i mean it's it's amazing i mean that's where I think we can blend the world of understanding the quantification and being able to visually represent it, which is amazing. Uh, real, real quick on that, like the whole 2D versus 3D thing is obviously, you know, mentoring under Tom, who has the ind- the like the largest database of independent motion capture that there is between Qualysys and Vicon. And I forget what the other one that he used. I don't know if you remember which one he used, Ryan. I think there were those two. It was Qualysys and Vicon. Okay, so he um, might have been motion analysis as well for a while. Oh, yeah, yeah. He probably used motion yeah, analysis. Yeah, I know there was yeah. a third one in there. And mm-hmm. he would get a player coming in, and there would be somebody who's got very deep pockets. And they go, I want my kid getting these 3D motion analysis, this, that, and the other thing. He's like, your kid doesn't need that. He's like, yeah, I could charge you for it, or we could just do it on a video camera because your kid's 15. <laughs> He's like, but when then when you have like a Joe Blanton come in or you know Barry Zito, Randy Johnson, it's like, yeah, we're going to do 3D motion capture on those guys. Because mm-hmm. a 0.05% difference is about a million dollars. So for those guys, it's like, yeah, you need the fine-tuned, minute, everything. And I've said it before on a couple of the podcasts. It's like, you know, there's a lot of guys in AA that don't need motion analysis. <laughs> they they need just consistency in what they're doing. And you can see most of that through 2D video. And you got under it because it's not a easy time use of your time to go set motion capture up. The it's way- not just like you walk out there and you run run through it. So it's when you're getting into those team atmospheres, like you really got to kind of parse out where you want to do it, how you want to do it, and then make sure you're targeting those guys that are really going to benefit from it and understand that data and digest it. Um, mm-hmm. I won't say the name of the team, but they would get a lot of their stuff done with their guys. They would get a whole motion capture in and they would hand them a report and they'd go, hey, good luck. Go get them, champ. And they're like, what do I do with this? You know, and it's just like, well, that was a waste. I could have gotten actually worked on my breaking ball in this bullpen, but instead they sent me into this dark room, made me strip down to my, my skivs and put dots all over me. And now I got nothing to go with. So it's important that if they're doing it, like you guys are doing to give them some feedback. Well, they're lucky. A lot of players don't even get, I've talked to players from organizations, like I've done it multiple times and I've never seen any data from it. Being on the 40 mm-hmm. man gives you a lot of freedom. So, well, yeah, a lot of those guys say no. Yeah. And I mean, I work with the team now, and a lot of these players, it's been cool for the last four years. 
to teach them. So now that they come in, they know what it means. They know like, Hey, did I get better? I've been working this in the off season, trying to do that. I work with like, with everybody else. Here's what the data, these are, we grouped them. This is what we think. It is hard because a lot of teams want to invest in this technology. Mm -hmm. So before only the brewers had it. Now most teams have some form of motion capture, whether it's the three like marker or markless base, Mm -hmm. they're investing in this, but they're not investing in the staff or the people who know how to run it or to use it or how to, how to use this data. So they're collecting Uh all this data and then they're like, now what, what do we do? And the Uh analysts don't know. They're not biomechanists. They can run things, but it's, it's, so it's very interesting right now to watch the teams trying to catch up because of Hawkeye Uh and that, and then they're got this data and they're like, I don't know. I have no idea what to do with it. So they give it to the player and the player just walks, goes back to his facility in the off season and has no idea what to do with it. Right. So I completely agree. Yeah. The, the education piece. I mean, that's why we put the course together is just, is to get people like what you're talking about, like common language, you know, how to look at trends, what would be the training direction for a particular player who has a particular motor preference. And that's what I'm saying. It's a, it's a communication breakdown. Um, and like I've seen, I've seen some reports from major league teams, like people who are looking for biomechanical jobs, they send them to me to get my impression. And it some of them are exhaustive. So like this is why I, like I loved working with Jordan because we collected so much. And I was like, Jordan, what can we coach here? Like I know I have an idea of what we can do in the weight room, but if we're drilling out a player you know, who, you know, like what you're talking about may not have, may not be inside 90. And that's, that's the direction to take with this player, Um, you know, or there could be elements in terms of um, their timing, their tempo, like that, like something simple, like Jordan's like, we can fix this guy. Mm -hmm. Um, You fix his strength properties, but all we need to do is speed him up, you know, like, like a metronome or, or, or giving him a timing, like, mm-hmm. you know, from pickup to foot down, like it's, he's way longer than a second. So of course, you know, his arm's going to have tons of time to hang way back behind him. Like it's, it's like that kind of thing, but um, it, it takes a village, like what you're talking about. And it takes informed people. You see, we talked like Jordan, I was lucky because he had this background with Tom House. So the things I would talk about biomechanically, you know, it, it wasn't like it was way on beyond his reach. He like understood, he understands that stuff. Looking mm-hmm. at a graph, he understands looking at slopes and all these sorts of things. But, you know, the everyday coach we got to get to because they could be intimidated and stay away from it. Like they might not get it. So they can't help the player mm-hmm. with that data, you know? So it's, it's I mean, that's yeah. kind of, you know, we got to get to a world in biomechanics that works like this, multidimensionally. Strength coach gets it. Medical staff knows what kind of mobility restrictions need to be improved upon. You know, your biomechanist is, is really the lead communicator to, you know, indicate, you know, what these movements mean, what could be the potential impacts on the entire kinetic chain. For people who are listening, the kinetic chain is just basically how forces are transferred between the segments um yeah i mean like you're, you're hitting it on the head now Brittany talked about hawkeye some people might be like what's hawkeye mlb has cameras in the stadium that track ball flight characteristics but now are tracking actual human movement in stadiums so if you can imagine 
I mean, Jordan, we didn't have it when we were there, but if you can imagine, we uh, well, yeah, but we didn't have the three. It's the first year. Yeah, but not the 3D mocap part. Okay, that's, yeah. That's just kind of, we got the ball flight tracking, but imagine every single pitch, you got all these joints in the body. I can't, I get off the top of my head, I think there's 12 segments in the body. Um, but you're getting data on that every single pitch, you know, and you have this huge volume of information that it has to be, it has to be handled properly, communicated and implemented in, in, in coaching. I think that's... On, a, on a side note with that, one of the main issues in baseball specifically is they take all the analytics data and then they give it to a, you know, uh, like an analyst and they say, tell us what's important. Mm-hmm. Whereas a golfer goes here and goes, I know when I do A, B and C, I'm good. Tell me what the numbers say. Mm-hmm. And then the golfer is in a sense going, this is, I know when I get coached with this and I do these things and then they find out whether their feel is right or wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, yeah, you say this is what you're doing, but this is what it's showing me that you do on your graph or, you know, the data says A, a B and C and you're saying F and Z. So mm-hmm. baseball takes the opposite approach where they're like, analyst, you tell the coaches what they need to know where the coaches are like, what is all this? You know, mm-hmm. and then even when you talk to a lot of the cricket guys that are using 3D motion analysis, they're like, we need players that can, you know, I'm going to butcher it because it's cricket. But they're like to post on their front side and to do this and do that and whatever it may be. And they take all that 3D motion capture info and they go, okay, here's those time segments. Here's what's going on for your really good guys. Here's what your bad guys do. Everything in between is this. And then they start parsing out information on that. And baseball just goes the opposite route. And I think that's why so many coaches in baseball go, hey, I don't want to really understand this because you're telling me what I'm, everything I'm doing is wrong. Even if they're just saying disconcordance and they mean (laughs) whatever disconcordance means in normal (laughs) speak. So it's like, yeah, we're saying the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. tomato versus tomato, but we're we're creating this rift between because again, the communication is it's like, well, we need that biomechanist to be the main relayer of the information. Where yeah. what matters is, well, can the coach make the player understand it? Because the biomechanist isn't throwing on polyester and getting in there sweating in the dugout in Tempe, Arizona. So too, <laughs> if you are watching this, there's six guys, eight guys throwing a bullpen at the same time. And there's only one of you guys. How are you supposed to go out there and work on those little fine-tuned things? There's just not enough hands. There's not enough oh, hands man. to throw a ball. Like, and I'm preaching <laughs> to the fire. So, I mean, it's an, it is an it is every team. There's not enough hands. Yeah. Especially spring training, you have everybody there. You are trying to just make it through to season start. There's not enough hands to do that. Right. So, yeah, it's hard. But I, I know we're running a little long, so – and. And, and I, I'm going to turn over to Bart in a second, you know, for the closing thoughts. But where where is, in your mind, where is the future of biomechanics going? Like, we've already got marker. Now we already got markerless. What do you think is next? That's a hard one. Um, I'm hoping that markerless gets better. It's uh-huh. changed. I mean, in the last five years, it's changed. Yeah. Um, so it's, I'm hoping that that kind of gets I'm trying to think of where I would go with that. Injuries are going to happen. We ha- I think we have to get that. I think in my mind, what I would want to see future baseball is these pitch counts don't work. Find a better way. Find a better way. It's not pitch counts. That's where I want. I want, I, that's what I am pushing and putting it out into the universe, speaking it into existence that we get away from pitch counts are a great idea at first. 
That's all we had. We have better idea. We have better ways to do this. Let's let's find a better way. That's my. That's what I want. Amen. I love that. I mean, to me, and I'm the parent. You know, the the low level person trying to just put this into action and keep their kid healthy. Uh, you know, the things that I love hearing is that you're looking at things at such detail, but then you're understanding. Well, what can the average coach or the you know the average parent see? And it sounds like you've got that in mind, which is, which is really cool, but it seems like we are still missing. So how do we make that change? How does the average parent, how does the average coach decide, well, these are the drills I'm going to do. I'm going to work on strength or I'm going to work on mobility or explosiveness, or I'm just going to flat out, show them some video and say, here, try and do this yourself. Um, I think, and I think that's what Ryan was saying a lot about. It takes a village that we're just kind of haven't quite figured that process out. It's like the biomechanics is getting so far out in front of what's the right way to implement, uh, how to implement those changes. Um, mm -hmm. But it sounds like, you know, you guys are, are really thinking about that more than uh, more than I expected, actually, to be honest. So anyway, I think this was a great, uh, uh, excellent podcast. Um, Brittany, I think uh, we'd love to have you on again, especially when you publish. I'm, I'm very interested in, the, in that latest research. Right. And, uh, you know, like I said, thanks for coming on. And uh, until next time, take care. Thank you.